Hello, and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Carrie. And I'm Tanya. We're both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode 145. Today, we are continuing our series, Recipes for Success. In this episode, we'll focus on transitions. We'll also talk about our highs or lows from the teaching week, discuss some ideas in our Know Better, Do Better segment, share a work smarter, not harder teacher tip, And in our CODA section, we'll give some specific recommendations of our favorite things we are enjoying in and out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. So now it's time to share some highs and lows from our teaching week. But before we do that, let's mention again that we are putting our Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast episodes on YouTube now. So if you are a visual person and you want to see us talking, and we do share some things visually as well, um, and that interests you, you can find us on YouTube. Just search for our username as Music Teacher Coffee Talk, and this will be our second episode on YouTube, but we do plan on adding things there moving forward. So yes, make sure please subscribe so that we know you're out there. Oh, yeah. Even if you don't think you're going to watch the videos, just subscribe anyways, because it looks makes it look cool that we have more subscribers. (laughs) All right. So on that note, Tanya, would you like to share a high or a low? I'm going to go high this week because um, I just had my post observation conference with my assistant principal yesterday. And funnily enough, I was thinking about this very episode because the first thing he said was, I just love coming to your classes because I see how engaged the kids are and we're doing one of the songs and activities and adding instruments. And then all of a sudden we're in a new song and I don't know how that happened. And it's just so smooth. And, and I thought, yeah, transitions. That's, that's what it's all about. I mean, that's not what it's all about. (laughs) Just this episode. (laughs) Yes, that's what it's all about for this episode. But so very, so very helpful and fluid for everybody in the room. And um, boy, it sure does cut down on classroom management issues. Um, It engages and continues to engage the kids from one thing to the next thing. And, you know, awesome planning is awesome is a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even like the difference between us singing our transmissions versus a classroom teacher who might just give directions that we sing our directions and the kids move. Um, I just had my post observation conference yesterday and my principal said the exact same thing. She pointed out transitions as well. So it's just funny that um, administrators notice it and appreciate it. Um, Kids feel it. Sometimes they might notice it, but they don't verbalize it the way that an administrator will. But we know as educators, it makes all the difference when our class runs as smoothly as it does. So very cool. And you? Well, first of all, I must say a slight low is I'm having some vocal issues that you can probably hear if you're listening and see if you see me sucking on a cough drop right now. So just wanted to put that out there that I'm not a chipmunk burying seeds in my cheek that I have a cough drop right now. Um, So in addition to some vocal issues that I'm having, I also just wanted to give a low today about, um, you know, that class. So um, I'll just back it up and say in our last podcast, we talked about lesson segments and um, how, you know, when things don't go well, you know, before we blame things on kids, really look at your lesson segments and then as well as your transitions to kind of see what you can tweak in your lesson to make it better. All that to say, I have this fifth grade class, (laughs) I think everyone does, that um, likes to really challenge me and push my buttons a little bit. And uh, they're always the first class that I see in my rotation. So all my new lessons, they're always the first ones who get to try them out, unless something weird happens, you know, snow day, whatever. So um, just this last week, it was like big time Halloween lessons in the music room. And I was personally really excited because I love Halloween and it's my favorite. And I was like excited to just kind of play with them in a way that wasn't really like super curricular focused, just really just kind of more of a fun day. And even that they managed to push some buttons, kind of turn things into jokes that shouldn't be turned into jokes and just really just kind of be 
bookerish, I mean, a little bit. And, you know, of course, some of that's me and I can always be reflective and I am reflective. But when I sat down and looked at my lesson plan and thought, okay, why is this happening? Why is this happening? What, what am I doing? What could I do differently? I decided, you know, I am not going to change anything in this lesson for my next group of fifth graders because I really want to see, you know, how they react to it. And so I did. I just taught the exact same lesson and I felt like the exact same way other than me just not getting irritated um, because there wasn't things to get irritated by because that second class, they were joyful. They had fun. They played, but not in like a immature making fun of the activity, not laughing at the thing, laughing with the thing, right? And like, it's just a totally different feeling. So all that to say, most of the time, when something doesn't go as well as it should, I definitely say, what could I do better? What could I do better in my lesson? What can I tighten up? And I do make adjustments. But sometimes it just is that class. And moving forward, there's definitely things I will do or maybe not do to um, really help that particular class be more successful in music. There's just some kiddos who need some extra behavioral supports and maybe I need to rethink my seating chart and, you know, all that to say, of course, there's things that I will do to still try to make it better. Um, I'm not just going to blame it on the kids and then move on with life. Like, of course, I'm still going to reflect on how I can help them and how we can all work together. However, I just want to say out loud that sometimes you just have a challenge group of kids and it's not always you or me in this case so we've all been there yeah, yeah for sure and now it's time for our main theme we are talking about transitions that is the transition from one lesson segment to another lesson segment the artful musical ways we can accomplish this so that you know the flow of the lesson keeps going we also want to keep in mind that it's not all about the transitions that um, if you find yourself really spending a lot of time working on transitions from this song and activity to this activity that your focus should be on you know the meat of the lesson which are the lesson segments and our last two episodes are all about lesson segments, but when you do have nice, smooth transitions, um, things go well for everybody. The learning is you, you, you up that learning ante because we're still connected to that rhythm or that melody, or, you know, we're still keeping it musical, which is a lovely thing. Right. So, yeah. And there's lots of types of transitions that we're going to cover. Um, we want to make sure we give credit where credit is due, that uh, the types of transitions that we are specifically mentioning come directly from Rita Klinger's book, which is Lesson, lesson plan Planning go in a Kodai setting, a guide for music teachers. If you're watching on video, here you yes. go. It's and if you book. go to... Um, organization of American Kodai Educators page. You can order that book. I think that's the only place. I'm you not can sure get it if it's on West available. Music as well. Oh, can you? Cool. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's a gold mine. A lot of Kodai programs across the country, I know, require that as a text, and they should. Um, but yeah. it's just, it's just wonderful. But she lists very specific transitions, and that's those are the ones that we're going to talk through right now. Yeah. 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 So kind of the main uh, categories of transitions we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about verbal transitions when you actually tell or sing or, you know, somehow speak, use words <laughs> to tell or show the kids what we're doing. Nonverbal is showing the kids or just leading them to it without talking or singing. Um, tonal transitions are transitions where you are doing something through melodic or tonal means to transition from one song to the next. And then obviously rhythmic, you're focusing on a rhythmic transition from one song to the next. There's some in the book that she mentions that we're not going to necessarily talk about because they're pretty obvious things like uh, steady beat transitions where you're just using the same beat, the same tempo, or um, a metric transition where you're using the same meter. So if you're conducting two-beat meter, you can go into another song that's in two-beat meter. Um, those to us are, are, you know, pretty obvious ones. So we're going to focus on maybe the ones that might need more specific examples. And all that to say, the examples that we're giving today is not for the sake of do this exact song and do this exact song and try this exact transition we're giving you examples of ways to trans transition from one song or one 
uh, lesson segment to the next. But the idea is you can do a transition between any lesson segment. And that kind of goes back to what Tanya was saying about planning that, you know, if you are thinking more about your transitions and then planning your segments, that's backwards. Plan your segments first and then think about the transition. And there is hardly ever a time that I've had to change my lesson because I couldn't come up with a transition. There's always something you can do, even if it is as simple as the same tempo and we're using the same steady beat to go to the next song. But the ones we're going to talk about today maybe are a little bit more, I wouldn't say complex, but maybe just have more specific examples that we want to give and talk through. So all that to say, let's start with verbal transitions and specifically a thematic transition. Everybody's favorite. Everybody's favorite. (laughs) Yes. So um, thematic transitions, they sometimes get a bad rap because they can be overdone. So when we talk about three thematic transitions, we're saying like typically in a kindergarten or first grade in a primary classroom, although definitely you could do it in other classrooms um, where you are singing something like, um, here comes a bluebird in through my window. And then the next song is also about a bird. Um, little bird, little bird, fly, fly through my window. Except for those two are almost, they're so similar in lyrics. I probably wouldn't put them back to back, but right. you know, it's about a bird. Now this part's, uh, this next song is about a bird or even, hey, we're in the garden and we uh, have been in the garden flying around as bluebirds. Oh, look, there's an inchworm 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 you know and so on and so forth do you really know a song about an inchworm now i'm curious measuring the miracles you don't know that one no okay it's a composed song oh well i'm a child of the 70s i'm sorry it's very yeah no that's yeah there is a song about inchworm uh bees i'm not saying it has to be in the garden however you know that's just an example Right. But we, we often joke about like, and I know Aileen Miracle has that fantastic little meme that she created that was like, yes, Lucy Lockett really did get stung by a bumblebee while she was getting on engine engine number nine and going down to the um, seashore. Right. Um, <laughs> so it can be too much. Yeah. But kindergartners and first graders especially love to go along with you in that imaginative world. So um they're they're useful they're fun and the reason that thematic transitions are so rife in kindergarten first grade is because those are the grades where you don't have as much music literacy content to hang a transition on right so you're not going to say hey did you notice that the end phrase of b b bumblebee is the same as miss white had a fright you're not doing that with kindergarten no. I mean, maybe you're trying to, but I don't think it's going to Maybe go if you're well. doing things with icons and long and short sure. short. And you that definitely. Kind of okay. Yes. So I but could totally yeah. see that you're showing an icon of like this B, B, big B, big B, little B, little B, big B, long, sure. long, short, short, long. And then you hit a button for your Google slides and the Bs turn into ghosts. Yes. Which would be not a thematic transition anymore. No, now you're skipping ahead. Go back. I'm skipping (laughs) ahead. Sorry. And the bees float up into the sky. What else floats up into the sky? Ghosts. Ghosts. Yeah, there you go. white hat. (laughs) So that was my on the fly, not awesome transition. But anyway, thematic, you can go there a lot, but I have erred on the side of doing too much Mm -hmm. and- it's not even the kids that it bothers. It bothers you, the teacher, because you're like, you. I, I, honestly, when I've gone overboard on transitions, by the end of the lesson, I'm so over me. Right. Um, it just drives me as the music teacher, like, wow, this let's is- Let's move on. Let's go on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. But another way you can do thematic transitions uh, is not necessarily even through the repertoire. An example would be, I'm reading a book to students um, like the very lonely firefly. And I connect that, that to the song, firefly, firefly in the night, right? Mm-hmm. And at the end of the book, the firefly has found other fireflies and the book, my book lights up with the little fireflies, but it, there's also stars. And so I'll start tapping the stars and say, starlight, star bright, 
first star I see tonight. And I'm closing the book. Wish I may. And I'm standing up and we're making a circle and bam, now we're in the starlight, star bright. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, great. That would be another way you could do a thematic transition. That's a little more um, natural, sure. a little more organic. Right. Yeah. So then another type of verbal transition where we're talking through something would be, you know, anytime you're asking kids questions, that becomes a verbal transition from one activity to the next, Um, especially if you're asking the same question about two different songs. So for example, I was uh, preparing Ray with my third graders. I just presented Ray. This is last week. But in the last lesson before I presented, we were doing what Susan Brumfield calls a song bouquet, where you sing multiple songs to get it in their ear, and then you use those songs to ask questions with. Um, So these were all songs that had the mystery note between Doe and me. So we were singing Rocky Mountain and we isolated that last hang your head and cry me me mm -hmm, Doe and we counted how many rays did we just sing there and I was pointing visually to Solfa Street houses on the board and the empty space between Doe and me and then we took the song button you must wander just that first phrase and we counted how many mystery notes are in that song and then we moved on to do the song in the game for Button You Must Wander. So just asking the same question, but with two different songs. Um, And then another way to do uh, directive transitions is thinking about your physical uh, setup of your classroom and where you're physically going in the room. So an example I just did this last week of that was with uh, first graders, we were playing pass the pumpkin all around because just Halloween this last week. So we were passing the pumpkin to the steady beat kid gets out at the end when they have the pumpkin on the boo and then before the kids had come in i set up six different hula hoops small hula hoops containing four each of different non-pitched percussion and so then when they got out they went to the hula hoop and they played the steady beat on their instrument of choice while we continued the game and then by the time we're done everybody is at one of these six choices of instruments and then we went directly into the picture book going on a goon hunt which is the halloween twist of going on a bear hunt so doesn't matter what book but for the sake of the example then each of the instruments plays a different different part of the book going through the grass swishy swashy or whatever with the sand blocks so the idea being the transition was physically moving to the instruments and then now that we're there we're ready for our next activity rather than playing the pet game past the pumpkin now we get out the instruments it was just a more seamless way to move from one to the next exactly yeah so, so let's talk about ways that you can transition without talking or singing necessarily Yes. And um, for our nonverbal directives, we can learn a lot from our secondary band, orchestra, choir people, instrumental people, choir people are really excellent at, you know, sweeping their arms up for students to stand or, you know, bringing their arms down for students to sit down or, you know, rest position, playing position, but without saying things and showing them. And, you know, I've seen some wonderful choir directors who have been, uh, who have trained their students to be uh, position number one is we're sitting, position number two, we're standing. And so they train them to look for that. And then when it's time, they don't say anything. They just show a number one, show a number two, show this motion, show that motion. Um, and then the students follow. So you might need to train your students to watch for these. And you also want to be aware of your neurodivergent students or students who maybe are not clued in to those physical uh, visual clues as much who might need words in addition to what you're saying, just to be aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't always have to be with motions. Your nonverbal directives can be like playing the piano. So with my kindergartners and first graders, when they come in, we sing an opening song and then I play, will you please sit down? And they all sit down, but I don't sing it. I just go do, 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 do on the piano. Mm-hmm. And then if they hear do, 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 they stand up and it works really well in that context because they just know that this is the routine. We come in, we sing our opening song. The opening song changes every two or three months, but then at the end, when they hear that little motif, they sit down. If they hear that motif again, they stand up. And uh, if I pull that out in the middle of my lesson, it's kind of 50-50 on whether or not they'll they'll do it because they are not in that routine. Mm 
Yeah. But yeah. yeah, if I, if it really harped on it more, if I really trained them up more, I'm sure they would be there. But yeah. um, I probably of all the transitions, I uh, use these the least, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. So all of those so far, I think are the ones that, you know, come to mind the easiest that I, I see music teachers do a lot and seem to be easiest to plan. The next uh, types of transitions, the more tonal or rhythmic transitions, um, require a little bit more thought and um, knowing your, your song literature really well as well. This is, you know, one of one of the times that, you know, one of the reasons why when people are doing Kodai training and they ask, why do we need to analyze all of these songs? This is exactly why, because when you know your songs backwards and forwards and inside out, and you know all those little patterns that those songs contain, you know the tone set, you know the um, the range of the song, all of those things are going to help you to plan the transitions from one song or lesson segment to the next. So that's a little plug for um, why you should analyze your songs in the that Kodai inspired, you know, instructional way is so transitions can be planned easier. So moving on to tonal transitions or melodic transitions, let's talk about that. So Tanya, why don't you go first? Okay. So another little caveat, I used to work really hard to try to match the next song with a very specific melodic pattern with the previous song. Here's the problem with that. It's not always the next place I want to go, right? right? It might have been that we were just playing um, all around the buttercup. One, two, three. If you want a nice young friend, just choose me. I forget what I sing these days. It's been a while. If you want, I don't say a pretty maid or I don't know right. what they were words. Are. Anyway, um, choose me me ray do mm-hmm. oh i me ray oh let's all sing that me ray do let's all hand sign it me ray do oh everybody let's sing and hand sign it but i'm gonna add some more me ray do me ray do 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 ray 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 me ray do oh and then the kids go oh it's all I know that. right yeah now do i necessarily want to do hot cross buns which is a pretty look low key, not high energy, relaxed um, activity that I might do with it right after we did this lovely serene all around the buttercup? Probably not. I probably want some more. I I probably want to change it up a little bit more because they might be getting restless. Yeah. So I, I no longer look for the exact melodic phrase to take us from this one to this one. Uh, because that's when I find myself spending way too long trying to plan a transition is when I'm looking for the exact melodic or rhythmic phrase to match the first part of that one. So I would rather do something like this. We've just been singing, um, are you sleeping? Oh, let me raise the pitch. Are you sleeping? Are you sleeping, brother John? Right. Mm -hmm. And then we're singing ding, ding, dong, ding. Ding, ding, dong, ding. Oh, let's use that part. Ding, ding, dong. And everybody keeps singing. Ding, ding, dong, ding, ding, dong. And I start dry bones come skipping down the valley. Some of them, mm-hmm. you know. So I will start the next song while they're singing in ostinato. Yeah. That is, it's much more challenging for one. And that's like a great little practice there. It's more, much more satisfying for everybody. It, it gives those students a challenge that they have to sing the ostinato and they have to listen for the next song. Mm-hmm. Um, and they go, oh, you were singing dry bones. Come skipping down the valley at the same time that we were singing the ding, ding dongs um, or the do, so do, if you change it to the sofa. Yeah. So I would much rather do that then look for an exact phrase to go to the next song. But I can do that also. um, We can, well, we're, you're about to tell us more about altered motif connections. Right. Um, So so I won't go there, but you will. Um, and that's, yeah, that's when you would change the motive. So, you know, doing a direct motive connections could be something like what you just did, finding the mi, re, do, and then moving into hot cross buns where the, the pattern is the exact same. But then it's really fun to do an altered 
motive or motif connection. So for those of you who are watching, I'm going to share my screen so you can actually see how I did this with my kids just this week. So we're practicing law in second grade, and here's my G. So we were doing... Um, Ah, stop, G. We were doing a bounce high, bounce low, bounce the ball too shy low. And then, of course, I asked them to sing it on the sofa. So they sang, so la, so me, so, so la, la, so me. And the way that I have this set up is using a program called Lynx. It's the whiteboard program that goes with Mimeo boards these days. And there's an infinite cloner, they call it replicator, where I can like keep dragging the same note head out and create more note heads. So what I'm doing now is I'm clicking on my first note head and now I've added a second so. So I'm, of course, I'm not saying all this to the students. I just said, uh oh, something changed. What do you see now? And they sing, so, so, la, so, me, so, so, la, la, so, me and then uh oh something changed i just added a second law to the first phrase so we now have so so la la so me so so la la so me and then uh oh something changed i've added another me to the first phrase so so la la so me me so so la la so me and now uh oh something changed i'm gonna delete the very last me in the second phrase so now we have so so la la so me me so so la la so Tanya do you know what song I've just transitioned to well I thought I knew but you, you would have to go one more step for me to oh no oh. that I stumped you but the kids knew it's ickle huckle blue battle oh. fishes in the sea so it's just the first half of that particular song so that's a way that you can just move note heads so whether you're doing it on a dry erase board erasing and rewriting or doing it in a fancy techie way like I just did um, kids love it it's like solving a puzzle it's just a really fun way to transition so to me it's about that transition works well when I'm going from one song to the next where there's not more than four or five changes. If you have more than that, you've gone too far, right? So they have to be different enough that you have enough changes. So I think four to five is kind of the perfect amount of changes to make. Yeah. And that's a beautiful way to extend that melodic reading and they get that extra challenge and it is exciting to see that extra visual. Um, yeah. yeah. I love that. Also, um, you were saying four or five is like the right number of changes, but if you were doing it, like simply that they're just hearing it and echoing, you could definitely do more. Oh yeah. Yeah. You could definitely do it non-visual and just do it aural and have them echo each one of those patterns back to you. And I've done that as well. And that works really well when you're physically standing in a circle and you don't want to go back and sit down at the whiteboard, but you want to stay in the circle so that you're ready to play the next game in the circle. Right? So those are the considerations too. When planning your transitions are, are the kids standing or sitting and what are we going to do next? In this case, we were already sitting down and reading the, this bounce high bounce slow so that it just made sense to then stay seated and read but yeah you could just do it early as well it's a really yeah. great way. beautiful love it awesome I'm sorry for the my my husband just reached in and handed me <laughs> there was just a random oh, see i didn't notice i was sharing my screen but uh he just like the hands just reached in and handed you a coffee no he was pretty slick about it i oh, shouldn't have said good. anything but yeah. this is what happened yeah I, where's my husband with my coffee? He's off working. Okay, so um, another way to think about tonal and melodic things is just to think, rather than thinking about specific patterns or motives, we can think about the overall tone set or the overall key. So um, an example I did just this last week, again, with a song bouquet. Um, thank you, Susan Brumfield, for that language. I just think it's so fun to call it a song bouquet. So you've got a few songs that you're going to be working on with one common element. Now, the, the funny thing about this is that we were actually, the element we were going to focus on was T-ta-T later on in the lesson, or as some people call it, Cinco-pa. But in the case of what I'm talking about right now, transitioning from one song to the next, I was thinking of it more tonally through the tone set and the key. So the three songs that I wanted to have them sing were Black Snake, Alabama Gal, and Tidio. 
So the, tr the tricky part here, though, with those songs is that they have very different tone sets. So Black Snake is a song that is Do, Re, Mi, Sol, La. So that's your tone set. That's your range. Alabama Gal has the low so, the low la, Do, Re, Mi, So. I don't think there's a la in Alabama Gal, thinking off the top of my head. Um, so you just have to think very carefully about pitching those so that it doesn't end up being too low, right? For those low laws and low so's. But then the third song, Tidio. No, I'm sorry, Tidio doesn't have a T Ta T. I lied. It was Little Liza Jane. Sorry. Little Liza Jane was the song I was focusing on, the T Ta T. But that has the high dough in it. So now all of a sudden, if I would have pitched those all three in the same key, that would have been, you know, a huge range. F would have been okay for me, maybe E. But here's what I actually ended up doing. I pitched Black Snake in F, so we sang that in F dough. I kept it in F dough for Alabama Gal, but for my personal fourth graders, singing high Fs for high dough is a little bit of a stretch for them vocally. Everybody, um, yeah. Right. So my transition from Black Snake to Alabama Gal was we were in the same key, easy peasy. But then my transition from Alabama Gal to Little Liza Jane was I kept the F dough of Alabama Gal. I don't even know where my F is. I should find an F. Was that an F? Let me see. Oh, no. There's an F. I wasn't even close. So Alabama Gal. And then that becomes my me, which is my starting pitch for come my love and go with me. So I used F as the me. And then we ended up in D flat do, right? Because that's a much more singable key for little Liza Jane with the high do there. So just different ways to think about whether you're going to transition through having the same do or your starting pitch is like a pivot note that brings you into a new key. It's yeah. very theoretical, but it's important to think about because you want your kids singing in good, comfortable keys. And if and you struggle with maintaining keys, um, of the song throughout the lesson, then this, this is not for you yet. Right. This is, this, this is, is a, a little higher level. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's not even just you, it could be your kids struggling to maintain the key. This is assuming that you're singing acapella without strumming on a ukulele or a piano or anything like that. So oftentimes like between black snake and Alabama gal, I'll use my tuning fork or even just plunk it on the piano just to make sure, okay, yeah, we're still in F do, or maybe I just need to like give them that starting pitch and go red set and here you go and remind them like no for real this is your dough <laughs> you know um so still kind of get them reset um because no they're not always going to beautifully stay in the same key and to be honest sometimes i don't either if i'm tired my pitch slips a little bit so you know these are the realities we deal with but um but planning it that way in your lesson intentionally can lead to some really nice things for their ears right yeah and then there also are some songs that really lend themselves well to modulation as mm -hmm. the game or thing continues. Oh yeah. Um, I I'm thinking of I'm a C, I'm a C, right? I intentionally raise that yes. half step as we go along, as the momentum keeps going. And the kids always with that particular song, they go along with me. Mm -hmm. So if I was really thinking about, okay, I've started in this key and I want the next song in this key, then I would be very intentional about when I started that modulation. All right. And oh, here's my third one. I hit my new key. And now from here, we're going to go. Yeah. So yeah, you just got to think through it a little bit. I've done that before too. I did that just this last week with pumpkin, pumpkin, round and fat. I started it in D dough and I was boom chucking on the piano while they were doing the circle game for it. And then I modulated up by half steps. So by the time we finished, we were in, we were in E or F. I can't remember where we ended up finishing, but then that was the key then for the next song that we were doing. So yeah, that's yes. a fun little trick too. And, and you know what? I, I mean, I don't know. I've never planned it this way, but that would be a wonderful thing for an administrator to be in the room for, to kind of drive home the point of you as the musician, who is also the music educator in the room, because it doesn't matter how good chat GPT gets. It doesn't matter how much um, a classroom teacher or another, you know, education professional reads up. If they're not a musician, they cannot step in the room and do these things. And these things matter. No. I mean, of course, unless you had an administrator who was very musically literate, they wouldn't know either. So you would, they would say that something magical happened, but they wouldn't necessarily 
you know, know what it was. It's, Can it's, we call that the Beyonce love on top transition, Tanya? <laughs> we could. <laughs> That's very fancy. That's yeah. going to be our, our shorthand for that one. <laughs> just, just to drive it home. It makes yeah. a difference when there's a musician yeah. who is also the music teacher. Yeah. That's 100%. Yeah. 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 All right. right. Well, let's talk about some rhythmic stuff, you know, same, similar stuff to melodic. You can do very similar things, but why don't you give an example of how you might do something rhythmic? Okay. So it's funny because you were talking about tita T, but you were really driving at the melodic, but I'm going to drive at the tita T syncopated rhythm. So let's say we've been doing um, and this is something that I would typically do at the beginning of the lesson is bump up tomato. I like the weather. Bring back my heart to me. And every, you know, bump up tomato has that tita, tita, ta, mm-hmm. right? And so I could see taking that tita, tita, ta, everybody say it. So they're echoing this. And then gradually I'm going to slow that down because bump up tomato, I take it at a pretty feisty tempo. So we could even, you know, throw in a metronome if we wanted to uh, read some other patterns with that tita, tita, ta, or tita, 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 ta, tita, tita, ta, under the spreading chestnut tree, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't want to slow it down, but I wanted to keep my tita, tita. I might use another song entirely, which here we go again with come through now, hurry, come through now, hurry, right? Mm-hmm. So here we're talking about um, it's a l- little bit more than just taking that last four beat rhythm and connecting it to the next one because the tempo needs to be slowed down. Mm-hmm. And so you do have to get there first before you go into the next song. Right. But, you know, very doable. Or maybe you want to do bump up tomato slower the last time. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. And then your your transition feels also like you're doing a, a tempo practice, which you kind of are. You could even draw attention to that if you wanted to, or you can just experience it right right like you yeah to call attention to it like let's now go at an andante tempo or whatever although you could you know you could you yeah. could you could totally do that anyway yeah. but if you want to go just strictly motif you know one four beat rhythm to the next four beat rhythm i mentioned it earlier you know that ta ta ti ti ta is in so many songs oh, and yeah. chants that we do <laughs> yeah. at the primary level um, to the point that you got to be careful when you do like a mystery song. Cause they think like, all of them. Yeah. Cause they, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And whenever I do a mystery song at that level, I give choices on the board. I don't say just pick it out of your brain out of this mm-hmm. clear blue air and, and figure out what this is. I go, Oh, is this BB bumblebee or miss white had a fright or, and they go, well, it's all of those. Yeah, exactly. No, anyway. Or but, choose three that aren't all that. Yeah. Cho- choose three that aren't all that. Right. Sure. So you could definitely use that ta, ta, ti, ti, ta to connect to your next rhythm. But you could also alter that by having the rhythm written up there. I'm not going to give a lovely visual right now. Um, you have the rhythm written up there. They're speaking the rhythm of a whole chant, a song. And then you say, let's do it again. And I'm going to change mm-hmm. one beat, just like you did with your melody. Yeah. And you make that ta into a TT. Oh, and you make this next ta into a TT. And now they're reading TT, 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 ta, engine, engine number nine, going yeah. down Chicago line. So I know I just stepped on the altered rhythmic. No, that's okay. I'm going to give another example, but that's okay. Great. So yeah. No, and I'm glad that you mentioned that too. And you used an example of a chant because here's where things can get sticky because my kids are in the habit of, which I love, that when they're doing rhythm, they're singing the rhythm. So mm-hmm. if it was um, bounce high, bounce low, they'd go ta, 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 right? But right. when you're doing that as a rhythmic transition, you have to either tell them to speak the rhythm and not sing it because then they're going to keep singing that melody. They'll and then sing that melody into the next song and it'll be a mess 
Or what's actually better and also a higher level thing is to say, now just clap it and don't mm. speak it. Put the rhythm syllables in your brain and just clap it because then they're getting the tune out of their head and they're just focusing on clapping. And then you're changing it little by little until they're now clapping a new thing. And then, you know, I don't know about you. Sometimes my kids still struggle with figuring out what it is. So maybe then in that last you know, time that they're clapping the new thing, I might start singing the tune with the rhythm yes. syllables. So, you know, then they start to get the new song in their head and then they figure it out. So yes, it gives them a melodic cue as well. Or maybe I'll only do that on the very last phrase or the very first phrase, you know, if they're if they're really stumped and they can't get it. Um, sometimes just having them figure it out from rhythm can be hard. So I just want to- Yeah, but I think you're that. absolutely right as far as like, you do want to take them out of the melody and yeah. get their head you know, just focused on rhythm. And even then, uh, I, I know my, I get stuck in the melody mm. of the last song and yeah. that I have to sometimes depending on what the thing, the song is, that's, that's asking a lot is to is. get them to adopt a new melody when they've been, you know, and connected to the same rhythm that is, that needs more of a transition than just, yeah coming from this song to that song. So I think rhythmic does work better with chance, or like you said, take it out, take out this song and give right. them a chance to ride that rhythm without it. Yeah. Yeah. So the other um, example I wanted to mention for the altered rhythmic connection is this is really great when you're doing any sort of dictation or writing, whether it's, you know, on whiteboards or with manipulatives or however, that, you know, the first pattern that you write is the pattern of the song and game you were just doing. And then you do all sorts of different patterns, all sorts of different patterns, give them a moment to create their own pattern and share that out. Okay, great. And now, oh, I have one more pattern for you. Can you figure out the pattern of bounce high bounce low bounce low ball to shy low and then they have to write that out whether you're using mini erasers popsicle sticks whatever it is or like i said just writing it on the whiteboard now the last thing that they're writing becomes the next song and chant so manipulatives and dictation and writing is one of my favorite ways to do that alternate yes. connection because that's inherently what dictation is right you're having them write this that and the other thing and then just the last one becomes their next song and game exactly yes so. and that's what that's that's the wonderful thing about the Kodai inspired world and the thing that we need to make sure people anybody music teachers understand is that we're not just taking melodic and rhythmic things and all these things just for the sake of those it's all connected to the song literature yeah exactly yeah all comes from the song literature so yep. maybe your last poison pattern slide or if you're using like a a slide version of poison pattern does connect to that next song or that next chant. And so that you're always letting the students know, Hey, this is not just gobbledygook. This comes yeah. from this song. This song. Yeah. And now it comes from our next song. Yeah. yeah exactly. So I do want to give a shout out to just another resource um, that talks specifically about transitions. So Susan Brumfield um, has the First We Sing series, which includes songbooks and includes some specific uh, teaching strategies books and pedagogical materials. But in her just um, kind of overall teaching guide, this is called the teaching guide for First We Sing, Kodai Inspired Teaching for the Music Room. Um, Susan talks about transitions as well um, in the middle of her book. Very very similar to what Rita Klinger says, but she just gives, you know, variations on a theme, some different ideas. She does specifically mention part work, as you had mentioned, using ostinati to go from one to the next. So um, just wanted to give a shout out to that resource as well, because maybe you already have this book on yourself. And if not, maybe think about getting that on yourself. Um, you know, it's not all about transitions, but transitions are discussed in this book too. So... So just to repeat again, we're not going to necessarily put all of these songs in the show notes. That's not what this is about. It's about the transitions between two lesson segments, regardless of what the song is that you're doing. So um, we will put in the show notes kind of this list of different types of transitions and just a few bullet points of different examples. But really, we encourage you to think about how you can transition from whatever song you were planning on doing, not necessarily the songs that we gave you. Although, of course, you're welcome to find those songs 
songs on your own and do those as well. Um, and then in our next episode for Recipes for Success, the final one, we're going to talk about the icing on the cake. If your uh, lesson segments are the layers of your cake and your transitions are those yummy things in between the layers, the Bavarian cream and the ganache and the fruit and all that stuff. Now let's talk about the icing on the cake. How can we bring it all together in other creative ways? So that'll be our final recipes for success episode that we'll be doing next time. Totally. So now it is time for our segment we call Know Better, Do Better, where we think about ways to be more culturally responsive and inclusive in our classrooms. And Tanya is going to talk about something. <laughs> Go for it, Tanya. Well, as you know, we are coming up quickly on November and November brings Thanksgiving. And along with Thanksgiving, we need to make sure that as music educators and just as educators in general, or just as citizens, um, that we are sensitive about the cultural appropriation that sometimes or many times happens around our native people of the United States. Um, there's a lot of things I remember I did as an elementary school student that now I see were, wow, super duper cultural appropriation. So there's a, a lot of things to be aware of if we want to make sure that we are sensitive um, to the population that was here before we got here. To that end, we've mentioned decolonizing the music room several times. And one of their contributors, con contributors, Michelle McCauley, uh, is a Native American music educator from the Pyramid Lake Paiute tribe in Nevada. She has a great YouTube channel where she gives lots of um, short videos where she talks about specific practices to avoid, specific ones to embrace. Um, but she also has recently come out with a book on F-flat books, and that is called Kamu Kamu. And you can get that at F-flat books. And it's the story of... Um, a child who follows a rabbit. I do not have this. Do you have this? No, but I mean, I was looking at it and it was. Like I know. Yes. And it's a flat books, uh, music flip book. So you yeah. can do it interactively with your students. And we need to remember to get our information, our resources, our music, our stories. When we're highlighting another culture, that's not ours from the people of that culture. Um, as I was poking around online, I noticed there's several websites that, you know, seem on the surface, seem really legit, but then I'm always thinking about, okay, now who's, who, who, who has put this out? Who are the you contributors? Know, yeah. PBS is a, is a great, is a entity, a broadcasting service that I trust. And yet, um, I think it's much more important to get these ideas, stories, musics, um, information from people who are culture bearers of their actual, you know, culture. So she is a wonderful resource and a music educator. So please go check her out, check yeah. out her resources, check out her book on E-flat books and, um, flat books. excuse me, <laughs> flat book. That's my D sharp books. D sharp no. books. <laughs> F flat books. And that, also mentioned, yes. I mean, along with the flip book, um, there is a song that she wrote to go with it that is in the the language. Um, is it the the Northern Paiute language specifically? So, you know, not only do you get the great book, but you get the song to go right with it. So you're not having to go and find a resource that might not even be a good authentic resource or of the same tribe or of the same language. Yeah. So here yeah. is a perfect way to include the music and the book all together. Um, so thank you so much to Michelle for this great resource. Um, I'm definitely going to be getting it myself. Yes. And it's time for our work smarter, not harder tip. 
Carrie, transform our teaching lives, please. Oh, it's not transformative, but it's definitely one of the, I mean, it definitely lives up to the name, work smarter, not harder. So, um, you know, if you're listening to this, well, no, everyone will be listening to this after Halloween. This is going to come on after Halloween. So um, this specific example has to do with Halloween, but apply it to any holiday or difficult day. So you know how Halloween's on a Tuesday this year, Tanya? <laughs> And everyone always talks about, oh, gosh, you know, it's on a weekday and blah, 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 blah. I'm not worried about teaching on Halloween. I'm worried about teaching the day after Halloween, right? Because, like, Halloween will be fun. We're going to do all the fun little songs and games, and the kids will be in their costumes. And, woohoo, we're just going to embrace the chaos. The next day is what's really hard, right? So my yes. work smarter, not harder teacher tip is whenever you have a long night the night before, whether it's because of a holiday or, like, around here. Well, maybe not this year because they're not playing so well but when the broncos would be having a good season if there was like a sunday night game then a lot of kids were tired on monday because they stayed up and they watched the game or you know maybe it was a concert night the night before for you and you know you're tired okay so all that to say you know give yourself a break the next day so for me i'm gonna do a stations day the day after halloween and yes i'm still gonna use all my little you know pumpkin manipulatives and all of my fun little things because who cares they just had halloween the day before it's not i mean most of us probably won't throw our pumpkins away for a couple days anyways right our actual jack-o-lanterns that are sitting on our front porch so um my tip is just simply like be nice to yourself and give yourself a nice day the day after a holiday the day after a big thing i know i haven't done it yet but i'm already thanking myself for for planning that and saying yeah i'm gonna go ahead and do a stations day and then on November 2nd, we'll kind of get back into more traditional music making um, and just let the kids just kind of. I shouldn't uh, <laughs> present Ta and Titi, my first graders, on no, Wednesday. No. And not even like a traditional prep or practice lesson either. Yeah. I just want to do something that's different, that lets the kids talk and let, you know, because it could go either way the day after Halloween, right? They might be super tired or they might be super wired. I mean, or. I, any of those things. Um, so, you know, sometimes coming after a long break, I've done stations the first day we've come after winter break before and doing a stations day right when we get back in January, because it's like, here's a fun way to practice things we were doing before we left without me having to do a lot of talking and them having to do a lot of um, sitting and getting right. It's, it's more interactive. So um, yeah, yeah, I agree. Totally. Yeah. So it doesn't even necessarily have to be stations. It could be, you know, or play along videos. Yeah. Yeah. The musication videos, um, doing a look at quiz, you know, just something that's fun and different and engaging. That's going to keep your kids happy and motivated the day after whatever the big day is that's coming up. Exactly. So now it's time for our CODA section where we give a specific recommendation of something we are enjoying either in or out of the music room. Tanya, what's it going to be? Well, I'm going to mention something that, that I have been enjoying in the music room and out of the music room. Ooh. But specifically, um, I wanted to mention that my fifth graders, they are playing ukulele right now. Mm -hmm. And I do have that fifth grade class. Mm. Um <laughs> you I, have too? A couple of, <laughs> I have a couple of those fifth grade classes where large group instruction is a little challenging and they come in hot and it's the end of the day. Mm, it's the yeah, last that's thing. Really tough. I see the first thing. Thank goodness. Yeah. And then when they leave, there's like 10 minutes before the bell leaves rings for the end of the school day. Yeah. So you can imagine, you know, there was a little bit of a we're done now mentality mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as they're walking in the room. All that to say, um, I have found a secret weapon. I shouldn't say weapon. I have found something to to quell the fifth grade beast, as it were. Okay. So I do like starting each music class with a musician of the day or, you know, something that we're we're seeing and listening to as they walk in, this allows me to give them an individual greeting and, you know, eye contact. And, and if, if they're doing that, you know, if they're not, that's fine too. Um, and just kind of just do a little vibe check as mm -hmm. they walk in and hug or high five or, um, dance party, mini dance party. 
And uh, I have been showing videos of Jake Shimabukuro performing um, on high ses sessions. That's H-I sessions. And it is um, this professional ukulele player and in his native Hawaii performing and he's out while well, he's on like a deck. And so beautiful Hawaiian uh, foliage is in the background. And when I put his videos on, especially there's one called Dragon. There's a song he wrote called Dragon. I also used a cover of Eleanor Rigby the other day. Oh. And when he's playing and they walk in, they're just instantly like calm. Wow. Now, I'm not saying it's going to work for everybody <laughs> all the time. Okay. But when I find something like that, I'm, I'm riding that for all it's worth. And I mean, he's just a fantastic musician, composer. I, I love for them to see the possibilities on ukulele. Yeah. Uh, of course, we're not going to play like that. Um, wow. But <laughs> it's just wonderful that for them to see what the instrument can do beyond what I can show them. Cause you know, I can strum, strum, strum. Um, I'm not an awesome ukulele. I'm not even a, a good ukulele player. I'm a passable for what I want to do with that, with the students. But anyway, for them to see him is fantastic. And it just makes everyone just calm. Aww. So nice. That's my favorite thing lately is, and then I also, I've been putting it on while no one's in the room, just so I can have some calm. calm. Nice. <laughs> I love that. And uh, we'll link to, which one did you say was your favorite? Oh, I like or dragons. The, kids, the dragons. Yeah. yeah. So we'll but his whole channel is rife of, full of awesome, wonderful recordings of him. And um, yeah, uh, there's some, there's a Ted talk he does too. And it's all worth seeing. Cool. Nice. And you, Carrie, what have you been enjoying? All right. Well, I mean, she doesn't need me to promote this at all, but I went to the Taylor Swift eras movie, Tanya. Who? <laughs> you know this, Who's right? that? Okay. Let Never me tell you, there is this musician named Taylor Swift. No, okay, I was just so, um, on no one needs her to promote her, but yeah, that's true. Go I ahead. mean, just my daughter is 11 so she loves taylor swift i mean it's not she i wouldn't say she's like an obsessive taylor swift fan we did not go see the concert um i wasn't gonna drop that kind of money on somebody that my daughter kind of sort of likes to listen to with her friends you know and she's really kind of following the crowd as far as like oh her friends listen to taylor swift so she listens to and that's fine that's how we all develop our musical tastes early on i get that um but we were able to go with one of her girlfriends and i had bought my daughter um i was i was at the thrift store i was at the ark earlier in the day looking for something for her halloween costume and happened upon this sparkly dress and i was like oh this would actually be really cute so i bought her that and her friend wore a sparkly dress and um here's what was super fun about it and this is what i was hoping would happen but i've never been in a movie that does this other than rocky horror picture show but that's a whole different thing but you know the concert started and you know it sounded great it was just really fun to be you know in the theater and listening and you know i enjoyed taylor swift enough that i was appreciating you know the first couple songs and musically it was great and then it got to like the third or fourth song and like this whole row of yeah, you know, young teen girls, um, they just couldn't stand it anymore right in front of us. And they got up and they started dancing. And, you know, so I looked at my daughter and her friend and I said, do you want to get up? And at first they were, no, no, that's, that's so, that's silly. We don't want to do that. By, you know, a couple of minutes, a few minutes passed and pretty much all the teenagers and kids in the, in the theater were up and dancing and they kind of all went and got up close in the front because it was one of those stadium seating, um, theaters, you know, so you have that kind of like gap in the front area um anyways they sang and danced and whipped their hair around and just had the absolute best time and i just loved watching the movie loved watching my daughter and her friends love watching the movie you know and it's just like here's taylor so i've just like amazing musician but also just an inspiring young woman right like all the things she's doing with her with her own music and it's empowering and it was just it was really cool so i was just really glad that we went yes it's a little more expensive than a typical movie ticket but even if you're you know 
an on-the-fence Taylor Swift fan, I think it's definitely worth going and going in the theater. Just be ready because people hopefully will be up singing and dancing. I think that's just part of the experience, which is really cool. So good times. Yeah, it was fun. And now I just cannot wait for the Beyonce movie for the exact same reason, because I just think concert movies are so great and a great way to make concert experiences accessible to people who can't normally go like me. <laughs> no, I mean, and, I go yeah. to concerts, but I'm not going to spend thousands of dollars. I just can't. So and you can go on a school night and not exactly. worry about exactly. Yeah. So anyways, it was really good. I had fun. We've reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Show notes can be found at musicteachercoffeetalkpodcast.com. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just look for a Music Teacher Coffee Talk. If you enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. Also, don't forget to subscribe and follow and share on YouTube as well. And we also appreciate folks buying us a coffee, so look for that link on our show notes and on our Facebook page. Next time, we'll be wrapping up our Recipes for Success series by talking about the icing on the cake, and you'll find out more what that means later. So until next time, this is Carrie. And this is Tanya wishing you happy musicking.